the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin filling in for the great Andrea Kay. This is the Andrea Kay Show, and I'm grateful to fill in. It's, again, Ed Martin, my own program right here on The Answer San Diego, the Pro-America Report. I'm, I'm always grateful when I get a chance to either be on Andrea's show, which is pretty frequently, or to fill in. She's uh, super, and she has super listeners, which is one of the things I love. Um, she's got a great rapport with her folks, and it's great to be with you. Don't forget, follow us, follow her show, at Andrea K show at Andrea K show on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin is me on Twitter and also uh, Andrea K of course over on Facebook the Andrea K show and she's awesome there uh, so we've got a lot to cover uh, tonight I, I want to um, spend some time with you at the beginning of the program talking to you about my experience uh, over in the swamp I live in northern Virginia I uh, work in Washington just a few blocks from the capital and I have but I'm from Missouri for about 25 years I grew up in a little town in western New Jersey actually uh, but for 25 years I was in Missouri and I run the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles which is based in St. Louis Missouri. We have an office in, in uh, Washington, D.C. too. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that. My experience in the swamp, what I've seen, I was the chairman of the Republican Party of Missouri uh, for a term, which is almost two plus years. I served on the Republican National Committee, the RNC. During that time, I saw up close the party structure and the, the both uh, failings of the party and also the positive things of the party. I won't be, uh, I won't be totally negative, although there's a lot to critique. Uh, but I, I ran for office in 2010. I ran a very uh, considered one of the great races for Congress in Missouri's history. I came up a few thousand votes short in a race that was uh, should have been a runaway for the Democrat. And then I was the attorney general nominee also in Missouri in 2012. That wasn't such a good cycle to run. Mitt Romney on the top of the ticket with Barack Obama wasn't so strong. So I have a perspective of politics, policy, how things work. I want to share all that with you. And at the end of the program tonight... I'm going to tell you what's going to happen on Tuesday. Uh, So you're going to want a Tuesday election day on what's going to happen on Tuesday night. Uh, But before then, we're going to spend some time talking with some key people Uh, in a few moments. uh, If God wills it, we're going to talk with Roger Stone. I have this interview set up with Roger Stone. The last few times I've talked to him, it's been difficult to stay on schedule. He's basically putting his life back together and he's very busy. And so uh, we I'm hoping to talk to him. I texted with him earlier today. I'm optimistic, but I'll just tell you that I've had some problems getting him on my own show and also after that we'll talk with john schlafly i mentioned my old boss was phyllis schlafly her oldest son is john schlafly he's a a lawyer and a very experienced political hand himself we're going to talk john and i a segment you won't want to miss 
about the problems that could come after Election Day and what we should know about them. Because knowledge is power, as they say. Uh, I'm looking at a book uh, by that name. Uh, George Gilder wrote a book called Knowledge is Power. And um, but uh, in this case, we need to know the Constitution, know the origins of the Electoral College and how it works so that we can get it right if there is a problem. Hopefully there won't be, but there might be. And if there is, uh, we're going to want to address that. Okay, before we get to that, let me make sure to let you know we will uh, try to take your calls later on the program. 888-344-1170. 888-344-1170. You can always follow me on Twitter. Direct message me at Eagle Ed Martin at Eagle Ed Martin. You can also go to ProAmericaReport.com right there. You can email me through the site. Again, it's Ed Martin filling in for Andrea K. So um, here on the Andrea K. Show. So, um, you know, I have been for a, a while a fan of this president as a candidate four years ago, five years ago. I thought, well, he's got what it takes, both as, as in terms of his uh, skills, as well as his positions, major issues. And uh, I endorsed him in 2016 at a very pivotal time, just a few days before the Missouri primary election, which he stunned uh, the establishment and won. Um, and I'm very proud of that. And in the, before he I endorsed him, uh, I had spoken uh, in favor of him. I had written about him um, and I asked him some questions about judges, about the conservative platform of the Republican Party. And um, he committed to being a conservative, governing as a conservative and also especially on judges to, to appoint good judges. Well, all this time now, four years later, he has a track record. He has a track record. And if you compare this president to most politicians, he's different. He always was different. He's different in a lot of ways. Um, one way he's different is that he communicates directly to we, the people through Twitter. And I've, I've actually compiled four books. Actually, they're just, you're going to laugh when I see you smile. As I say it, I say it too. adult coloring books. No kidding. Uh, one of my friends in St. Louis runs a, a coloring book company and we put together Donald Trump's key tweets in, in coloring books to highlight how powerful they are. Uh, one is called Kofefe, which is just the great tweets of the first uh, part of his uh, presidency. Another one is called Patriots or Traitors, and it compiles Trump's tweets on all the bad guys and good guys. It's really good. One was called Kofefe Christmas, uh, all about uh, a Christmas. And it is really fun. Uh, the last one, though, is just out a few months ago, is called Promises Made, Promises Kept, Kofefe. Kofefe is that famous word Donald Trump mistyped when he was uh, uh, tweeting one night. Here's what I want to shift to, uh, because all these years later now, four years later, I have also written another book that came out about three weeks ago. It's called Promises Made, Promises Kept. And the full title is actually Top 100 Trump Promises Made, Promises Kept. And I went through his record. I looked back at the promises he made. I looked back at the things he said he would do. And I put together, it's, it's almost like a pamphlet. It's only about 150 pages. And I put together what Donald Trump accomplished. Exactly what he did. What were the promises he made and did he do them? And I, I took the top 100 ones. I also included a couple speeches. Um, there's an introduction or a foreword by Corey Lewandowski. There's an afterword by Mike Flynn, General Mike Flynn. Uh, but, you know, for example, he, he, he said he would one of the first promise I put on there. He said, make America, make America energy independent. Trump did that. He did it with regulatory reform. He did it with getting out of the way of, uh, of, uh, of our exploration for natural gas and oil and for get out of the way of fracking. He, he opened up the public lands that are in the middle of nowhere and can be uh, can be utilized 
in a very safe way, in a way that's respectful of the environment. He did all that. And I, I mean, I'll go through this. So, you know, create a private hotline for veterans. Sounds like a funny one, but I included in there, by the way, his reform in veterans and the Veterans Administration. Declare China a currency manipulator. Many of us have been saying forever that China has to be called what they are, which is they're not they're not partners in the world. They're 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 not partners. They're enemies. If you don't like the word enemy, you call them rivals, but they're really enemies. And Donald Trump said, I'm going to declare them a currency manipulator. And that has a huge impact, by the way, on trading. Drain the swamp, uh, criminal, deport criminal illegal aliens, one after another. You look at this book, it's up to 100. Take no salary. He did that. Establish the Space Force. He said he would do that. Scale back the EPA. Simplify the tax code. Strengthen our military. Support nuclear power generation. Repeal Obamacare's individual mandate. You could go on and on. Move the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. He did the things he said he would do. Most politicians don't. And here's a couple of examples. Every president for the last 25 years said they would move the embassy to, in Israel to Jerusalem and everyone backed off. Every president in the last 25 or 30 years said we're going to stand up to China and every one of them backed off. Every president in the last 15 years, especially Obama, said they would get us out of foreign wars and stay out of foreign wars. And he didn't. Obama Biden didn't. Donald Trump did what he said. Here's one thing he said he would do. He said he'd run the economy better than anybody's ever run the economy. People rolled their eyes and the Obama people said, you're going to need a magic wand or whatever. He did it. And even with the pandemic, the news out this morning was that Q3, the third quarter of growth, is astronomical. Now, it's partly astronomical because we were in the Great Pause. I tell people the pandemic hit and we didn't go into the Great Depression. We didn't go into the Great Recession. We didn't go anything because those were all things that happened to us. The Great Pause was because we wanted to save our elderly and our sick and ourselves. And so we paused the economy. And by the way, it had a disastrous effect on a lot of people. I'm not I'm, I'm not bragging about it. I'm saying when we thought this could be a plague beyond anything we knew, we locked down our economy. All of us did. President Trump led with it. He led on it. And now we're at the point where we have to open up. We have been for months. And as we're opening up the great pause, we pause the economy is allowing a monstrous restart. And it's strong. The engine of the American economy is strong. It's vibrant. It's moving. It's, 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 it's going to be okay. Don't get me wrong. Businesses that were on the edge, restaurants, uh, some hotels and others, they're struggling and they're going to struggle. The economy is going to be transformed by this. In some ways, positively, I think there'll be more educational freedom, more choices for students, because I think they know now that the virtual, first of all, they know their schools couldn't get it done, but they also know that virtual might work for some things. So I think there'll be lots of changes, but that was a great pause. Donald Trump ran the economy by cutting regulation, by getting out of the way of, of growth. I was not a fan initially of his tax cuts. I thought, oh, here we go. Paul Ryan and, and McConnell are going to root tax cuts. I said, you know, but then I realized the president gave a speech in St. Charles, Missouri. I was there I was standing on the side of the uh, not on the side of the stage. The stage was up there. I was on the side, though. And he said, we have to have this to compete in the world because our businesses are getting raided by nations that have lower tax rates. And it was true. It happened to Anheuser-Busch in Missouri, where I was from. It happened to lots of company, companies. So Donald Trump ran the economy. And then here's the huge one. Promises made, promises kept. He actually delivered on judges, one after another, over 200 lower court judges and three Supreme Court judges, justices. 
I mean, it's an extraordinary record. If you go, by the way, if you go to promise, PMPK, Promises Made, Promises Kept, PMPK2020.com, you'll see my books there. You can order one if you want. They're, they're dirt cheap. They're like $3 or $4. So you can get them mailed to you. You get them, may, may not get them until, well, you can get them in time for election day now. But you're going to want one because at the end of the show tonight, I'll tell you what is going to happen on Tuesday. You're going to be very pleased and excited, I think, unless you're a Biden supporter and then you might not like it so much. But uh, but my point here is, you know, when you listen all these uh, years to Andrea Kay's show and I listen a lot, I'm on a lot. You hear about our dissatisfaction with what's gone on. One of the things that we hate the most is the swamp's ability to create a set of circumstances where they, the swamp, succeeds and we don't, where they don't get held accountable, but we do. We hate it. We want to drain the swamp. If anything has been clear in the last three years, it's that Donald Trump has been taken on the swamp. In fact, I would argue that the only things he hasn't kept, the only promises he hasn't been able to fully keep, like build a wall, he's only been able to do like 500 miles, he hasn't been able to keep because he's fighting the swamp. He's fighting impeachment. He's fighting the deep state. He's got the, his, his number one advisor, Flynn, is tied up tight. Promises made, promises kept. Donald Trump, like nobody has, Really, nobody has. He kept his promises. PMPK2020.com. You can check it out and uh, get a copy of that book. All right. Uh, Ed Martin filling in for Andrea K here on the Andrea K Show. I am so excited to be here. As I mentioned, in a few moments, if the Lord wills it, we will talk with Roger Stone. And then after that, John Schlaff will give us a preview on what some of the tensions, problems could be, and how we have the Constitution to withstand any nonsense the Democrats, Democrats will try. All right. It's Ed Martin here on the Andrea K show be back in a moment welcome back ed martin here and i told you what i was hoping to do was get roger stone on the phone so we could interview him he's he's in he's he's always traveling it seems he's got a lot going on i mentioned earlier he's rebuilding his life after being put in the uh persecution chamber for uh, years and uh as as uh, i think he might have been quoted if not i'll give it to him as a quote anyway the process is the punishment they it didn't matter what they did they just wanted to punish roger stone for what he did so welcome roger stone to the program and before we get to your piece which is up at daily caller let me ask you this you've been around it's not your first rodeo it's about your 20th rodeo and or maybe 50th or 100th i don't know but roger why are the polls so wrong if you you step back and say to a listener hey the polls are wrong why are they so wrong well uh, one of the reasons that they are wrong is because the sample on which they are based is uh is incorrect in terms of uh, projecting who is actually going to vote. This is the same reason right. the polls were wrong in 2016. The pollsters, most of them honest, but just making an honest mistake, because if you're in the polling business, Ed, other than the far-left yeah. pollsters who are you know, purposely loading up their sample with too many Democrats to get a desired result that they can then publicize, trying to create a bandwagon effect... Uh, if you're a legitimate pollster, you want to get it right because no one hires you, no TV stations, <laughs> no companies, no candidates, if you keep getting things wrong. But most of the legitimate right. pollsters based their 2016 model on the 2012 model, figuring out the makeup of the electorate would be the same, the same number of men and women, Catholics and Protestants and Jews, the same number of urban and rural. 
and most crucially, the same number of African-American and Spanish. They were wrong. There was a great greater Spanish turnout than they expected. There was a slightly lower African-American turnout. But the rural turnout was off the charts. And that is why Hmm. Donald Trump. Oh, I'm not sure if we lost you. Lost. Oh, I got you coming back. Hold on, Roger. You cut out a little bit. Can you hear me now? Oh, I think we lost him. We'll see if we can get him back uh, here. He is. I know he's traveling, so if he comes back in a second. Can you hear me, Roger? Hmm. Okay, we'll keep going. Let me tell you about this piece he's got. Um, hopefully we'll get him back. Uh, the he the piece that's up at dailycaller.com, and I was really surprised. Oh, there he is. Are you there, Roger? I'm not sure. It seems to be coming in and out. Um, so let me talk about this piece at uh, at the Daily Caller. It posted late yesterday, and the headline is Roger Stone, written by Roger. Here's how Trump could still pull off a historic upset on Election Day. Now, now I will tell you what I just heard Roger talking about. The first couple of points of this is that there are Trump voters who are shy. That's why you're not seeing them. There are also Republicans that won the voter registration battle. But I would say the more interesting point that Roger started to make there was African Americans. American voters, Hispanic voters, are actually positioned to be the the difference maker in this race. And I, Roger, did we get you back? Can you hear me? Yes, indeed. I hope you can hear me now. I can't hear you now. So, Roger, why why is why is Donald Trump? You 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 you've been somebody that has communicated in your long career to lots of different constituencies. You've prided yourself as a writer, as a political strategist. How is Donald Trump going to get more African American voters, Hispanic voters? What's he done that they recognize? Well, there are three things. Uh, first of all, we had the highest level of uh, employment among African Americans and all people of color including Hispanics and, and uh, island peoples, Haitians, uh, uh, and so on, uh, under Donald Trump. The highest wage growth those groups have ever enjoyed. The greatest number of new jobs created among all categories. It wasn't just Hispanics. It wasn't just Haitians. It was, it was also, uh, you know, uh, women and men, uh, all income levels, all education levels, all Americans. We had the Donald Trump job boom. And the irony is that even with the pandemic, the boom has re-begun. Every month, (laughs) job productions have have outpaced anything near what they were expected. So America under Donald Trump is actually on the way back. Uh, And, but, but more importantly, Joe Biden has what can a racist pass. Accused Donald Trump. He uses every dog whistle, which means coded language. You know, Man, sorry, Ro- racist. Uh, we're struggling, Roger. I'm losing you a little bit. I know you're on the road, so but I'm losing you. Um, the last thing I heard was the, the B- Biden and the dog whistle. I, I get that. But uh, uh, one of the questions I had for Roger, we'll see if I get him back. His piece on DailyCaller.com. you got to check it out. It's uh, it's typical Roger Stone. It lays out exactly what, not only what's happening, but what Trump needs to do, what the president needs to do. And one of them is turn out his vote. And, you know, I, what I've been saying, Roger, is that we've never had a president who has solidified the Republican Party behind him. Maybe, maybe, yeah. There you are. And I I was going to ask, Roger, is this the Republican Party is so solidly behind this president now that I, you know, forget the never Trumpers and the few people that complain. I think you're going to see that as a huge difference maker because the Republicans are going to be able to get out the vote. I know you say in your piece, it's on DailyCaller.com, you know, that Trump's got to turn out his people. But I think that's coming. What do you what's your sense on that? Well, let me go back and finish the previous point, which is. okay. 
Good. As a as a United States Senator and Chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Joe Biden is the person who authored and pushed the uh, the turbocharged drug laws, which now right. uh, actually require the harsh mandatory penalties for the first time nonviolent crime of possession of small amounts of drugs. And at the time, everybody, liberals and conservatives, thought this would work. But fortunately, what's happened is uh, these people are not violent criminals. They're not dangerous. Taxpayers are paying, at this point, billions to house and feed people who are no danger to society, people who belong in uh, drug treatment rather than in prison. That's why President Trump introduced the First Step Act and the Second uh, Chance Act. Uh, and he has begun releasing a number of African-Americans who were put away for 25 years for a tiny amount of marijuana in your purse for the mother of three who's working two jobs to support her family. You see, judges lost discretion under the Biden bill. Right. In the old days, a judge could right. say, well, lady, you're very hardworking. You never had any priors. You go to church. I'm going to let you go uh, to a drug treatment company, but don't let me see you back ahead in front of me again or I will have to incarcerate you. That's how it used to right. work. Now now you have hundreds of thousands of black people, overwhelmingly black people, poor people, and also a large number of poor Hispanics uh, who are in the prisons thanks to Joe Biden. And it's the president who is getting them out and giving them a second chance at life. This is a crucial issue in the black community. Now, not enough America, African-Americans know about it. Remember, Joe Biden won the South Carolina primary and his comeback on the back of African-American voters. Donald yeah. Trump yeah. Is, fixing, is fixing these draconian drug laws. He's standing up for justice. Terrific interview with Laura Ingram last night where Duke Tanner, a former boxer who went to jail for life in a nonviolent crime, a man who found Christ when he was in jail, uh, really is not a very fine individual who got you know stuck in the wrong place at the wrong time, uh, Donald Trump commuted his sentence. So I guess he, I think he released him to probation, so he can go back right. to work. These are, this is right. a key issue. That's why we get yeah. more black folks um, than ever before. All right, Roger, just got about a minute left. I know you're traveling too, but so tell me what you, I know, again, I'll put your piece up at the Daily Caller. There's a couple other places also where you did some interviews. I'll put it up on social media. Uh, Roger, what's your prediction on Election Day? Where do you think this is going to end up? Well, I think it's very important to understand where we are. Uh, let's contrast the two campaigns. Joe Biden is like a basketball team that's ahead in the fourth quarter trying to run out the clock and have no mistakes, no unforced errors. Uh, you got nothing to say. They've got him locked up. Every couple hours, they'll bring him out. He will go meet with a group of voters five or six miles from his home, usually in Pennsylvania. There'll be 20 or 30 people there. There'll be a big distance between them and him. And then he goes back to the bunker. They're just trying to show the media that Joe is still alive. That's all they're really doing. Right. But he's not saying he's not taking questions. He won't take questions from the mass media because he doesn't want those questions to be about his reprobate son, even though he's not the issue. But more precisely, Joe Biden's clear participation uh, in the influence peddling of his son. A legitimate issues. Sorry, New York Times. Wake up. Right, right. Well, and the contrast, of course, is Trump surging as he as he's out all over the country. It's not, it's, it's not just surging, Ed. It's 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 right out of the Ronald Reagan playbook. 
Donald Trump is preaching optimism uh, and a belief right. that America can be great again. We we reached extraordinary levels under under Trump. We rebuilt our military. We got a conservative judiciary. Uh, we we uh, renegoti- renegotiated all these trade deals, so now we benefit. We get jobs back. He brought billions back into the country to be invested here because of a better climate under President Trump, a better economic climate. Uh, and he's preaching sunny optimism. He's, 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 and he's having the time of his life. And he has no problem, exactly, yeah. the, and, and he has no problem taking the wood to the Democrats. Uh, yep. Including the Hunter Biden scandal, which is really the Joe Biden scandal. So I, yep. you know, no, you're right. Out. One campaign is exciting, yep. it's inspiring, it's moving. While Joe Biden right. is boring people with that. You know, in 1968, yeah. I worked for Richard Nixon. He was a head in the clothes, and he and he decided to make the biggest mistake he ever made. He decided to try to ride out the lead and just let the clock run down and do and say nothing, nothing he had already said. And you, you were then. You, I don't know how old you were, Ed, but Hubert Humphrey came with it a point and a half of catching it, because in the end, yeah. Humphrey was like a man on fire. He was campaigning, you know, Harry Truman like this. What Trump is doing now reminds me very much of Truman's dash across the country in 1948 on the back of the train. When he left New yep, York, yep. he was losing, losing, losing to Tom Dewey. By the time he got to California, he beat him in an upset. At every stop, yep. no. he would speak. He would speak off the back of the train. Uh, Trump does the same yeah. thing. Only what he does is he flies, and because pilots can only fly so long before before they are required to take a downtime <laughs> or rest time, Trump gets swapped right. out to the pilots and keeps going. The man is sleeping four <laughs> hours a night and he's campaigning like yep. a Trojan. And look at him; he loves it. He, he's a happy well, warrior. You're, you're, so. You're that that's the word happy warrior and your your colleague in the in the uh, persecution general Mike Flynn uh, has said uh, leave it all on the field and my goodness Donald Trump is leaving it all on the field he's out there everywhere right, I got to run Roger I'm out of time Roger Stone the great Roger Stone I'll put up all his writings and his com- columns and we will uh, go from there Roger stay well and God bless many many, many thanks Ed. all right we'll talk soon we'll take a break right now it's Ed Martin be back in a moment Welcome back. Ed Martin here filling in for Andrea K, the great Andrea K at Andrea K show on Twitter. Andrea K, of course, is active on Facebook. Our next guest is my old friend, John Schlafly. John Schlafly is an attorney with an advanced degree in uh, law and also is one of the senior officials at the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. He uh, writes a weekly column that posts over at townhall.com. He and his brother, Andy Schlafly, which they continue the tradition of their late mother, Phyllis Schlafly. Many of our listeners know and Andrea K knows. Andrea has been, uh, Andrea was texting me over her weekend, I think last weekend, that she was watching a um, television show on Netflix on Helen Reddy and a series on Helen Reddy, and they brought up Phyllis Schlafly's name a few times. I am woman, Helen Reddy. So, John Schlafly, welcome to the program. How are you? Uh, uh, great, Ed. Thanks for thanks for bringing me up. Good to be with you. Well, so John, yeah, John, I wanted to ask you about something you and I were talking about earlier today: uh, the, the the threats to the election. You know, the question of the election integrity. I know you've written about that a couple times, but you know, after the election, we're going to have to worry about ballot security. We're going to have to worry counting the ballots. But there is this question of the electoral college and I, the timeline uh, of you know the electoral college is this very unique American institution. Maybe comment on that. But are you concerned that we're going to see chaos sufficient that it throws off the Electoral College? 
Well, first of all, Ed, we strongly support the electoral college system that was uh, d- uh, given to us by uh, the greatest men in, in history and political philosophy who created our Constitution. And it ensures that there is a broad base of support for the president. And it's not just, uh, you know, we can't let someone just roll up a big margin in California and then suddenly claim that they have the most votes. That's that's not allowed. So we... Um, so last time, of course, your readers remember that uh, Donald Trump uh, did carry uh, 30 states, although by a much narrower margin than Hillary Clinton carried 20 states. And so Trump was the winner, and that's the way it should be. Uh, but this time, where there may again be some very, very close states, and the danger is that some of these states will not know the results quickly enough, and there could be, uh, well, street protests and riots and so forth, while, and, there, and uh, the social media companies have already said that they're going to shut down any election-related activity uh, before Election Day, that so the public will not be able to communicate about what's going on in terms of the counting of ballots, especially the ballots that come, they're allowed to come in late in some uh, states. And um, so there's a prospect of a bit of uh, unrest, to use a popular yeah. term recently, unrest. Huh. You know, the mostly the mostly peaceful protesters uh, could, you know, we've seen this happen in other countries, Ed, where they there's a term called the color revolution, like the pink revolution, yeah. or the, uh, which has happened in other countries. And we don't want that in the United States. Uh, we right. want an orderly process where the Electoral College uh, works its will, just as it has in the past. Well, and yeah, John, even as we were, as I was getting ready for this, I noticed on social media, the National uh, Fraternal Order of Police endorsed Donald Trump, said you got to vote for Trump to stop what I would say is the what's described by the governor of uh, Pennsylvania as peaceful protests or unrest and all that. But, John, let me pull back for one second. The Electoral College, <clears throat> for those that don't realize how um, it was a u- very unique compromise, it basically created the system where, you know, every state is going to have a, a more uh, have, have weight, not the popular vote. So you, excuse me, you don't just have to win California. You have to win a a, a, a kind of uh, American-based version of, of, of the kind of um, representa- representational system. It's very unique. But, John, the windows that happen, and our, our, you know, our listeners are worried about the election and turnout and all, but the windows are really, I mean, interesting. You know, it's December 8th. The states have to certify their electors uh, to go to the Electoral College. If they don't do it, by the 14th, the Congress will have decided where they go. And then January 6th, the Electoral College will meet and in person to count the votes. I mean, I guess my question is, are you, do, does anything in your head say, hey, this really could get out of hand, or will we, frankly, have the courts resolve it before it got too bad? Well, uh, people have been spinning out scenarios of what is the worst that can happen. And uh, let's face it, we did happen once before in American history in the year 1876 when uh, the uh, three states that carried the balance as to who was elected that was undeterminable as to who really won those three states. And uh, so there had to be some high-level negotiation to determine, and it was on the eve of the inauguration day before we knew. We certainly hope that won't happen again. 
but they're, you know, part of the scenario is is what if in a state that's whose results are uncertain, uh, and imagine it's Pennsylvania, Michigan, or Wisconsin, where Republicans control the legislature, but there's a Democratic right. governor. And then, right. so what the law says, that if the, if the state cannot agree, then it goes into the Congress. Well, you know, we have two houses of Congress, and the Senate and the House right. will not agree. So, right. But, of course, the solution to all of that is to get out and vote so we know who the winner is yeah. in the battleground states. And so that all uh, disputes are resolved well before the presidential electors meet on December the, uh, I think it's the 16th, the yeah. second Monday in December. <clears throat> Yeah, we're talking with John Schlafly. Now, mind you, it's only the winning slate that goes to the meeting to cast their ballots. So, in other words, before before we speak of the Electoral College as if, but in every state, it's only the party, it's only the winning slate that attends the meeting where they cast their ballots. So, there has to be a process between Election Day and the Electoral College Day in order to determine who that is, who the winner is in the state. And if it's very close, there could be challenges, there could be court cases, there could be recounts, and there's not very much time to do all that. Yeah. There really isn't enough time. So, well, and, and uh, we're talking with John, we're talk, yeah, John Schlafly. John, I just have a minute left. Um, I guess the key, the key reality, um, we don't know what this means, but some of these decisions will be decided by the Supreme Court. And that that is what it is. And I only got 30 seconds. But I mean, what you're that that could be where we end up again, like in Florida in 2000. Right. Well, the of course, the Supreme Court was accused of picking the president in 2000. And they very much do not like to be put in that position. Right. The Supreme Court would like to resolve neutral rules and then the people decide who they want to vote for. That's the way our system is supposed to work. And we hope that'll happen this time in terms of neutral rules, which are enforced. And the important rule, in my opinion, is that every ballot needs to be in the polling place by Election Day. uh, So they can be so we know how many ballots there are. All right, John, I got to run. John Schlafly over at townhall.com, uh, the Schlafly Report. Thanks, John. We'll uh, we'll run. It's Ed Martin filling in here on the Andrea K Show. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome. Welcome back. Ed Martin here. And we have uh, one final segment. I want to lay out for you the truth of the 2020 election. And this is the big one. And I, I know you've been waiting for it. And I have a lot of uh, uh, details here I want to run through. But uh, first, let me just tell you, this is one of the most extraordinary elections. Everybody says that, but that we've ever seen. The pandemic made it so. The breakdown of the media made it so. The, uh, the, ca- the, the quality of the candidates made it so. And by that, I mean Trump is one, of a, one in a generation or one in more than that. And Biden is not a strong candidate. So, um, it, But even still. It's just an amazing time, right? Our, our, our nation is divided. So um, here, here's what I want to tell you. I am predicting now 
that uh, Donald Trump will not only win re-election, but I'm predicting that he will do um, extraordinarily better than people see coming, even people that believe in him. And here's my rationale for that. In, in, and let me tell you a story about it. In 2016, I was an early Trump supporter in the 2016 cycle, and I had just come off of serving on the Republican National Committee. I was uh, known as uh, something of a gadfly because I had been complaining about um, <clears throat> about the terrible, uh, poorly managed RNC, the Republican National Committee. I was chairman of the party in Missouri, Republican Party. Therefore, you serve on the National Committee. It was just a mess. It was kind of um, what you'd expect as a fundraising racket. Uh, they raised a lot of money and they spent a lot of money with a lot of different vendors and nobody seemed to win. And when I was early on in my tenure, they published an autopsy of the 2012 election that was just nonsense. It was made up. You know, if we just speak uh, in Spanish and we're nicer on social issues, we'll win. It's nonsense. That's not how people feel and not how voters vote. And so I was a gadfly. And then in 2015, 2016, I was looking at the candidates and I was thinking maybe Scott Walker could be strong. He'd stood up to the unions. He'd been battle tested. He'd won in a key state. And then he faded. He fell for the, uh, the he fell for the racket, the uh, the presidential uh, primary um, a racket. Both parties fall for it where you raise a boatload of money and then you lose. And, and you, you see it regularly. Um, but um, and, and Kamala Harris, by the way, did this the last time she hired all the right consultants ran out of money because she raised a boatload of money, but they, they just, uh, they suck you dry. That's what happened to Scott Walker, happened to Jeb Bush. And here was Trump. And on the key issues, Trump was talking about America in a way that I understood American exceptionalism, standing up to China, no more wars, all these things. And he had the media skills to communicate. So I was for Trump early. But in 2016, uh, if you if you were for Trump, you were considered by everybody to be kind of silly. And some people would get mad at you. You know, some of the Ted Cruz supporters were upset because they thought that everybody who was for Trump should have been for Cruz. So sometimes they were mad at you. But most people just thought you were silly and they thought, oh, you're back in Donald Trump. He's going to lose the biggest loss in history. And on the day before the election, I flew up from my home in St. Louis, Missouri to Washington, D.C. And I made the rounds as a media uh, interviewer, a, you know, a surrogate for Donald Trump. And I was on all sorts of TV channels and I don't know, five or six and a bunch of radio channels. I was on Fox and Sky News, I think NBC. Maybe it was one of the cable NBC, CNBC. I don't know. Um, and, and a whole bunch of other ones, actually, and, and a lot of radio. And what I would say, I was almost always paired with a, a Hillary voice. And so there was a panel, you know, the, the host says, oh, we've got Ed Martin here and we've got Hillary Clinton's person here. And almost always they would say to the Hillary person, your candidate's about to win a historic election. And I would and then they turn to me and they'd say, your candidate's about to lose a landslide. And I would say, look, I'm from Missouri. In Missouri, I know things pretty well. I don't know the whole country, but I have a sense of it. You know, I've run for office before. I have some experience, but I just know Missouri well. And in Missouri, Donald Trump is polling at four points. He's going to win by four. And I said, I think he's going to win by a lot more in Missouri. And he won by 19. Donald Trump won Missouri by 19. The last poll in Missouri had him winning by four. Donald Trump won by 19. The sitting U.S. senator at the time he won his reelection was Roy Blunt. He won by 1.5 percent. So about 17 percent of the people didn't want to vote for the Republican for U.S. Senate, but voted for Trump. You see what I mean? He has something different. And four years later, he now has a record. And here's why Trump is going to win an extraordinarily strong victory. One, he now has everybody in the Republican Party behind him. 
Two, he has a record now of having done what he said, especially drain the swamp. He has stood up to the swamp. He hasn't drained it completely. But the American people that voted for him in Missouri, for example, and didn't vote for the the senior senator, the sitting senator, they, they are voting for Trump again. You see, they're they're not they don't think he became the swamp. In fact, Joe Biden is the swamp. And then you go into other things. What what is it about 2020 that's different than 2016? In 2016, I told you I was called silly, a fool to back Trump. In 2020, if you tell someone you're for Trump, about a third of the country has been programmed by CNN and MSNBC and the Washington Post and the New York Times. A third of the country will probably call you a racist or worse if you say you're for Trump. So who do you think is telling the pollsters any truth? Nobody. Nobody's telling the truth about the polls. Not a person. A lot of Trump supporters are just lying to the pollsters on purpose because it's fun. But a lot of normal people are not telling the truth. And then this. Donald Trump has been the single most attractive Republican leader to the widest range of Americans we've had ever. If you're LGBTQ, a lot of the people that are in that community, they think Donald Trump's been really good to them. He appointed the first gay cabinet member. They love to cite all these things, but he's been he's he's not been uh, a threat to them. And a lot of them think he's been great to them. If you're in the um, African-American community, you see real progress under Trump and you see a guy who fights for all of you, not just the hyphenated Americans of the moment. Because if you're a black man, you're not a black woman. And only black women were allowed to be the vice president or next Supreme Court pick. That's what Biden said. Hispanic Americans, Indian Americans, Asian Americans in general, they're all looking up and they're saying, "Um, I want to be on Team America, where the captain of Team America is trying to lift all the boats. He's not just doing this for the environmentalists or that for the hyphenated Americans. He's lifting everybody up. And so here's my prediction. The polls have all been wrong. The voters are going to speak. And here's where you're not going to believe it. But Donald Trump's going to win the popular vote because in California, in New Jersey, in New York, in places where it's impossible, probably to win the race, he's going to get more votes than ever. Because people are going to make their voice heard. And so he's not going to lose California by as much as uh, he lost to Hillary. He's not going to lose New Jersey by as much as he lost to to, uh, Hillary. He's not going to lose New York. You get the point. He's going to win the popular vote. And he's going to win all the states he won before. And he's going to pick up New Hampshire, New Mexico, Nevada. He's going to pick up about two or three states, a few more senators. And when we're done, it's going to be so obvious on the night of the election that it's going to be clear he's going to have won a landslide. He'll win the House. The Republicans will have the House narrowly with probably five seats, which will make it very tough for Speaker Kevin McCarthy. But it will be there. And the Senate will pick up three seats, four seats. They'll pick up Alabama, Michigan, New Hampshire, Minnesota. They might lose Colorado, the Republicans. Cory Gardner's got a tough race. They might lose Arizona. McSally's been a little bit in the swamp, not very easy to get her elected. But what I'm telling you is when we're done, you're going to see inside the data that Donald Trump has been the most attractive Republican candidate for the largest number of Americans. When these people tell you that the suburban women are going to vote for Joe Biden, they're not paying attention to two factors. Suburban women see Philadelphia burning last night. Two nights ago, three nights ago, they see the looting and they recognize Portland, Philadelphia, Seattle, Chicago, New York, downtown D.C. are being run by the leftists. 
the Democrats, they don't want that. They want law and order. One party's for that and won't denounce it. And one party's denouncing it and saying, let us come in and, and clean it up. And that's Trump wants to clean it up. And the Democrats want to look the other way because they're afraid. And the last thing that suburban women's know is one party, one leader has said we had to shut down the economy because of the threat of the pandemic. But we've got to get going. Open the schools, play football, get back to work. And Joe Biden's got his mask on, pulled up over his eyes, telling you to be afraid. We're going to have to shut it down. Suburban women, everybody, nobody wants that. So hang on for a few more days. Work hard and understand what's at stake but trust me, the American people's wisdom is better, is better and sharper than you think. And what we'll have to do after this is treat each other well and take care of each other and heal a bit. But it'll be great. We'll talk more about that. All right. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of this. I'm Ed Martin. You can always go over, by the way, to ProAmericaReport.com and uh, grab all my stuff there. It's been great filling in for Andrea Kay. Uh, thank you to all of her listeners and all of her folks. And I will look forward uh, to talking to you again soon. Have a great weekend, everybody. God bless. God bless.